Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Movies. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk about X-Men Apocalypse. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Well, it's pretty simple. We typically like to talk about games, but, uh, you know, every once in a while, we like to inject a little movie love in there, uh, especially because... I'm a big comic book superhero movie guy. You know, we like watching big blockbustery blockbuster movies and then talking about them. Uh, even big though I old guess nerd I, movies. Yeah, I mean, I watch the art movies too, but I don't. I, I even though I might look at something like Whiplash and just like you know, like kind of stroke my beard and be like, hmm, yes, oh, quite, and think it's the best movie of 2014. Uh, you know, I can't help but uh, like it a little bit less than. Shit, I don't know what movie I liked more than 2014. Probably Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, off the top of my head. But uh, but anyway, that's neither... Oh, no, wait, what am I talking about? It was fucking The Winter Soldier. Holy shit, that movie came out that year. Um, uh, anyway, the, uh, the focus of today's episode is obviously X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, but before that, I guess we can talk a little bit about our uh, weeks, you know, because this is a regular old episode. Yes. Uh, so, yeah. We played Hell's Rebels and we just finished Rune Lords. Um, Hell's Rebels in particular was 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 a treat. Um, just because. <laughs> 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 oh, that was yeah. Yep, that was fun. Yeah. So so the party um, had to retrieve uh, Beauregard's my character's cousin from a prison without getting him or. We had to retrieve him from the prison in the middle of like mounts is like some some amount of political strife, um, and he knew that we were the rebellion, so we needed to go get him so we could fix that. And so through a series of machinations, um, it ended with us punching out my cousin, me disguising myself as my cousin, disguising <laughs> my cousin as me, and uh, walking out the front door. It was pretty great. Um, you know what I realized, by the way, is uh, Tonric shouldn't have seen through your disguise check, because I forgot that you action-pointed it. Uh, ah. I but, mean, it's, uh, it's fine, right? Like, so I saw the role, and I, and I had statted him up. The other thing is, I statted him up, and he obviously has like a billion in this stuff, because, you know, hunting people down and finding him. He also wears, I probably shouldn't say this, he has a ring of true seeing, too, which is why it was very important whether or not these disguises Yeah, I, I was going to say, te- technically, it, that doesn't work against m- what was a mundane disguise. Yeah, no, yeah, but, uh, but you know, the, the regular disguise check wasn't, you know, it wasn't anything amazing, so uh, um, I didn't even roll it for the other guy uh, because I didn't think it was really all that, I didn't really think it was all that applicable, to be honest, but um, the... Uh, Man, that whole session was a lot of fun. That was one of those sessions, and I do this kind of sometimes where it's just like, um, you know, the session's not super difficult, right? Like, it's not a, it's not about, you know, here's, you know, like, it's, it's not about, like, riding the roller coaster without falling off, right? I, I can't even build the roller coaster. I don't know. I don't, you know, I had no clue. I had no plan for how you guys were going to do this, right? It was literally just... This is what, you know, needs to get accomplished, right? They need to get him out of jail. They need to get him out of jail and either kill him or mind wipe him, right? And here are a couple of other things, you know, like the, you know, I knew from the get-go that, right, like there was the stuff between Regregis and Tonric because I was also using this as a vehicle to kind of introduce uh, them more fully to the story and everything like that. But uh, it was really just like, uh, you know, I let you guys go wild and I want to see what you could do what clever solutions were at play. And that one was pretty good. That one was uh, pretty solid, I think. 
Yeah, it was. It was. It worked. It, I was. I was surprised. Actually, I'm not because we we burned the action point to do it. But like, it just seemed like it was like there were so many things that could have gone wrong, and we managed to get around it. And I'm still spinning some gears as to how to resolve this in the best way possible. But that'll that'll come this Wednesday. Um, anything else? Yeah, you want to say uh, about? yeah. I mean, there's definitely uh, there's definitely kind of like part two, even though this this plot point itself is mostly uh solved uh where there's there's another more pressing i suppose plot point popping up popping Oof. up next week i'm excited anything else you want to say about house rebels no no house rebels was uh you know god i, I really like this game uh, i like this game a whole bunch and in uh, uh rune lords uh we uh sorry did i cut you off did you want to say something no no i'm good sorry. no in rune lords we just fought uh some sins some Essentially, the like, embodiment of our character sins. Yeah, uh, which I didn't quite pick up on, but until Mark said it, super, you know, like, I feel like it's one of those things where he wanted us to kind of figure it out on our own, but he just wasn't patient enough for us to actually get there. Um, yeah, so so part of it is, like, um, so uh, running running the game in, in San Francisco um, for, for my friends, spoilers for, for those of you in that game that are listening, um... There's, like, a mechanic for that, um, and you're supposed to kind of spring it on the players. Um, and it happens much later in the, in the core path, but Mark's skipping a lot of that. Um, and uh, the thing was, is, like, I, he, he told this to me because he, he knew that I was I was running it myself, um, is that he was excited because Gluttony's a really hard one to play into, and he's really happy that you had just kind of, like, willingly thrown yourself into that sin. Um by and, it, it, and it is just by the the food thing. Um, I so if you're earlier in the campaign, you had like that that lust for human flesh, right? From the re- oh, resurrection. Oh, oh my god! Oh, I get it now. Oh my god! I literally thought this was because I had like you know however many ranks in profession chef, which is why I was. <laughs> I'm like, really? I'm gluttony? I literally forgot about that. I literally forgot. Yeah, that did happen to my character. That totally fucking happened to my character. Oh, my God. Because we haven't talked about it for, like, two whole books. And Um, and, and I think the other part of it, too, is, like, whenever we go to do anything with food, you make, like, a big deal about, like, doing the thing the rightest way with the freshest ingredients. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's definitely true. That's part of his character. But, like, it's such an offbeat thing that I would yeah. really, I really thought it was kind of, uh, you know, I really kind of thought it was strange to see what went on. But, hey, man, whatever fits these sins. I yeah. didn't realize the sins themselves were built into the, uh, I didn't realize the sins themselves were built into the adventure path. I thought yeah. they were invented. That's interesting. Yes. Yeah, it is. It's uh, kind of from the jamming perspective, it's really hard to, like, you really need to go for those things where, like, um, you know, like, where wrath is, uh, you know, wrath is easy, but, like, you can't have everybody be wrath. Um, you have to have, like, s- some ways to tie other people in. I've, in my campaign, I've got, like, a couple clever ways to tie in other sins, but I think it's just kind of a hard thing to do when it's ultimately a, a combat-focused game, right? Like, um... Like, I kind of felt that, like, um, Sloth and Pride were a little bit, a little bit, uh, forced in, in, in our, in our, uh, like, I I get why they, I think they made sense, but I thought that they were less solid than. Who was Pride? What? I was, uh, Wind Wanderer's Pride. I thought, I thought that was, like, 
Like Wind Wanderer. Yeah, this is a weird. See, I, that, that's the thing. I thought I, I was going to be Pride, or Enoch was going to be Pride, um, and I thought we were going to kind of transpose because it's kind of I, it, I'm not super up on Seven Deadly Sins stuff or whatever, but uh, uh, I definitely thought that kind of gluttony and greed were, you know, kind of related almost, and I thought that that was going to be Rufus because you know Rufus is obviously yeah, um, I, yeah, honest. So not not to not to crap on Mark, but I like I so I think the reason you get gluttony is because like it's a harder to assign one. Yeah, and, and it's and, just easier to put it, you know. And like if you've got an opportunity to t- to, to use that one, you go for it. Yeah, um, I think that's fair. Um, whereas I think maybe wouldn't wander would have been a better fit for Wrath because that lets you go greed on 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 Rufus, but um, it um, have you figured out? who the rune lord is yet you know what i'm not i'm not yeah. gonna spoil anything um forget i said that um uh, for those I've of you at home that out, know man. there is a particular reason why the you might avoid greed um, i i seriously have no bearing on what these i like you know i don't know if this is like on mark or it's on the ap or it's whatever, on the ap it's not I much really better than have the AP. no connection to these rune lords right like it's like it's like if we were playing like Lord of the Rings, but there wasn't that intro point to like Sauron, right? And it was just like, "Hey, go throw this ring into a volcano." Why? No reason. Like that's kind of what, what yeah, this campaign so, has been like. I the whole thing is so I, I think what's built around is like if you notice, there's a sahedron rune on everything. Right. I think it's supposed to build up to like like you see the sahedron. Oh, this is a fucking sahedron rune again. What the fuck is happening? Um. But you don't really get that sense. And I feel like this is also like what we're doing now is like the second or third book. Um, and like I think it really ramps it up in the fourth, fifth books, which Mark's just going to skip. So we're not going to see a lot of kind of like the more in your face aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think part of it, too, which is also on the adventure path, is like there's like have you, you I, you've read the Hell's Rebels one. Have you read any of the other adventures path? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I read through, uh, you know, like, Kingmaker and stuff. You know how, like, they have these big sections on, like, for the GM, what the motivations of everything is and what's actually happening behind the scenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. But, like, you never really get to tell your players that stuff? Yeah. That happens a lot in Rune Lords. Like, like you know, I from book one, I knew what was happening. Like, like what, what what's, what's happening? Like, I know essentially the kind of arc of the story and i know like what the driving force behind this all is and i know a bunch about like kind of like the ancient history and whatnot um but like it's not a thing you can really tell your players oh my god i so empathize you remember actually i i mentioned this in the hell's rebels chat the other day about how uh something i was thinking about doing is was literally making recordings of myself like as bars through it's to solve this problem bars through is so fucking complex and interesting and he's a really deep cool character and it comes out absolutely not at all during the ap and it really bugs me so i was just like i've been racking my brain trying to figure out ways to uh make his kind of perspective uh almost on things more um maybe like a journal or something like something that we could find that's like his personal thoughts. That yeah, yeah, that's it, and that's kind of why I wanted to do these. Record. I was thinking something like the pensive, kind of from like Harry Potter right, or whatever, right, right. Um, something a little bit along those lines. Uh, and because I also think that part of it is like, you know, because the, so the other thing is bars. So Barzai Thrun in the book 
the first five books, I thought he was really shit, right? He's just Hitler, right? He's just a huge fascist asshole for no fucking reason. And then in the sixth book, and the worst part is like a sentence and a half too. In the sixth book, they just kind of hint at why he is this way on like what happened to him like what caused him to was he rejected from art school no and it's so interesting and it's so complex and i and i and it's just this little it's this little tidbit right it's like a sentence and it's less than that it's like the back half of a compound sentence right you know and it's and it's something that i really took and uh i i blew it up a lot because i think it is um i think it's kind of necessary and it sucks because you don't have like the easy tools you know like for you know I, I did the same kind of thing. This is going to be weird. I did the same kind of thing in college when I wrote uh, when I wrote my screenplay or whatever. But when you're doing that kind of thing, you can just cut to it, right? I can just cut to the bad guy's throne room and have him monologue to some underling a little bit to kind of explain what he's all about. And it's you know, but I can't I can't do that in D and D because everything has to be filtered through the perspective of of you know like the character's POV, which is re- honestly something I've never considered before in running a, in running a D and D game, which is like kind of nuts. To me uh i would say that's, that's either a challenge of the medium or you could cheat and be like uh oh guys uh, uh what's 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 uh gondor has found a way to spy on bar's life for a short period yeah. of time <laughs> i know i know uh no well i mean it's also Listen something that i want to you know it's something that i want to get into later uh sure like it, the, it, the current plan so to speak is for this stuff to get hit on around book three uh because that's when that's really when you guys meet and start dealing with him kind of face to face like right now he serves and i think this is a good purpose for him right like he serves as this kind of ominous secretive you know you don't quite understand what he is but he is fucking you know fascist and i'm sure that once it gets to that you know some of these details that have been dropped will be like oh i get it i get it right um but yeah it's that is that is something that is very much on my mind. It's actually interesting because I've never run a big bad campaign like this before. All of the other campaigns I've done have always uh, had let. Yeah, they, there really hasn't been like a big bad evil guy to kind of take down at the end of it. It's always been a lot more muddled um, and kind of. Uh, and it's neat because he's always vil- visible in this campaign, right? Like there's in Rune Lords mm-hmm. there is there is a big bad, but he doesn't show up until the eleventh. Uh, yeah, hour. I love that he's. I love that he shows up in book one. You know, I love that he shows up at minute one. And he gets to have that speech, right? Uh, and the speech they write for him also is terrible. I, I've I've talked about this like eight times right. on the podcast, but that first speech is just – it's garbage. And the worst part is it's garbage when shown against this later stuff that pops up in uh, in book six. The worst part about it, honestly, now that Mark is in the game, is I actually talked to Mark about it because um, – it was so – it was such a huge thing that I just linked him the the, the sentence basically to uh, – and, and he and I just kind of like gushed at how amazing that like character thing was. Um, but I – anyway. And uh, you know what enough. sucks the most? That we lost the recording of that session where you gave the good good version of the speech. Oh, my God. You're right. I forgot about that, too. Oh, that speech was so good. The worst part is I totally, like, forgot it. Because I don't I don't actually write these speeches down. I just repeat them to myself over and over and over again, typically while I'm driving. So, uh, whoops. Yeah. Uh, I apologize for that. We'll do better in the future. We'll but, do better uh, in the future. There's plenty of bars of light room to come. Yeah. Uh, but that's anyway. it for uh, Tabletops. Yeah. Um, 
We both played a bunch of Overwatch, but we can't that's gush true. about it for another twenty minutes. Yeah, uh, that's also true. I, I will we'll have a dedicated like hardcore yeah. Overwatch, uh, you know, episode maybe like next week or the week after kind of thing because uh, I do think that I could easily fill plenty of time with it. And I there there is like a lot to talk about from honestly like everything you know like game design, matchmaking, UI stuff, yeah. right? Even even little things, right? I mean, even big things like is it a is it a fee to play like? could pachinko machine right like all this other kind no, of crap you mean, or whatever you mean, it's uh, called uh gachapon gachapon that that one pachinko machine um yeah i know i know um that kind of stuff so yeah I, there will be plenty of overwatch i've i have beaten my second campaign in uh total war warhammer i beat the empire and i just finished Greenskins, uh which was honestly ridiculously easy and then i bumped up my difficulty to hard and played dwarfs and i played I I lost immediately, and then I played for a long time. I must have played for like six or seven hours, and then I lost. Uh, and then I played a third time, and I kind of split the difference, and I lost at like the four-hour mark. And then I quit, and I swapped it back down to normal. <laughs> like, oh, it's so rough dealing with greenskins early, man. Like, <sighs> It was really rough dealing with green skins early, mostly because of the wog mechanic or the wah wah mechanic. Um, I'm sorry, everyone. I have to explain this. So Warhammer, you know, there wasn't games and stuff when I was playing Warhammer with my friends in like the hobby shop or whatever. It was all just books, and so whenever we saw wah, we thought it was literally wog because we were all just reading it. Yeah, yeah. So right. that's why I pronounce it that way. But um. But yeah, because what happens is in those early games, you know, because the early game of Total War, every Total War game is like this, right? There's like so many minor factions, and it's really just there for the major factions to go and kind of cannibalize, right? Yeah. But the way the WAB mechanic works is that when the Greenskins go and they cannibalize a couple of these minor races, boom, they have a free 20 stack running around. And there's just, you know, and I, I have like a four provinces on dwarves, right? Like, how on earth am I supposed to deal with that? Uh, in that one dwarven hard mode game, I 1v2'd them, basically. And I won that battle, which was like the crowning achievement. And then I went on to lose anyway, which fucking, God, that sucked. Yeah, um, um, it's weird because like, uh, I, I played much less than you, obviously. But I also played a dwarven game for, for a bit. Um... And I kind of got to a point where it's like, I can't tell if I'm supposed to try and camp out, like, you know, be very dwarven, camp out, bulk up, and kind of wait it out. Or if I'm supposed to just try and blitz through the fucking greenskins as fast as possible. Um, the uh, And it seems to be, like, yeah. on the very razor's edge of whether or not that's possible or not. So I did a couple of things uh, with my current playthrough that have worked out for me. The first thing I've... The, the super... Oh, also, are you playing Thorgrim Grudge Bear, or are you playing... Uh, Thorgrim. Uh, Okay, I'm playing Un Ungrim, I think Iron something, um, the uh, the Slayer King, who's fucking badass. By the way, I literally won a battle once because Thorgrim or Ungrim or whatever is he never breaks. He I think he is legitimately unbreakable, like the regular Slayer units. Um, but I just kitted him out in the same way I kitted out Grimgor and Karl Franz to be like him as a melee combatant. And in the early like in the early levels, I I once. Um, in a battle against Greenskins, uh, I chain-routed his whole enemy after my whole army had routed, and it was just Ungrim left. Uh, but the only units that he had were kind of super low leadership goblin spears and goblin archers. 
Uh, and Ungrim was just such a badass that he was, you know, one v oneing these goblin spears and winning. So they routed, which caused the other goblin spears to rout, which caused the archers to rout, and I won the battle, which was fucking amazing. But uh, the thing that I learned was to go for the quest battle super early uh, and get all that like extra experience and everything, and to go get Mount Gunbad behind um, your dwarven province almost as quickly as possible. Which one's Mount um, Gunbad? Mount Gunbad is in, you know where uh, Zufbar is? Uh, the guys that, like the dwarven faction that fights the vampires oh, yeah, directly yeah. to the north o- of you. Over the mountains from them? Yeah, Mount Gunbad is that big pro- like that big pass. And it's owned by the Bloody Fe- Spears, but it tends oh, to yeah. get confederated by the Greenskins pretty early. Mount Gunbad has a, a, uh, a Brightstone mine, which is a 10,000 gold thing, but it makes like a billion fucking dollars. It makes so much money. And it's so protected... Um, one of the big problems I was having with the Greenskins is that the Greenskins can just walk by Karazakarak and uh, um, and pillage your two minor settlements, right? right? So, you know, you it looks like, you know, you want to, like, have a stalwart defense there kind of thing. But it's really tough to have one because it's really easy for them. They can use the underway to get up in there, right? Like, Black Crag is so close um, to everything. And so... Um, I made this money, my money center, that mountain gun bad uh, with that Brightstone mine and with a gold. I think it has a natural gold mine as well. And it just makes me so much money that it allowed me to fill my, uh, my double stack of dwarven armies, um, which allowed me to beat back Grinkor and his Wa. And then, uh, and then I just went through and I started raising everything. I just raised the fuck out of those greenskin provinces because something i learned uh this is what really lost me my hard game is i was i did the exact same thing but i was occupying all of the provinces um and that does two bad things for you one it makes you kind of responsible for those provinces right like are you gonna pour gold into them kind of thing all and all that stuff uh and two it leads to you know like you kind of have to camp there get public order you know down right right? they're not very defensible um growth takes forever so it's kind of almost not even worth it and then the greenskins just capture it back and because of how occupying and all those occupying and stuff mechanics work uh they're getting more uh quote-unquote bang for their buck because they don't have to do all that much um you know like like economic work in them Um, and so when i started just raising everything uh it got to this point where it was very clear that the greenskins were going they they had to go back and recolonize all of these settlements that i had raised and then that drains them of manpower they have to camp out a few turns to get their casualties back all that kind of stuff and that just kind of like gold sink time sink uh is what has allowed me to beat the greenskins almost entirely not almost entirely back they still own like almost all of the badlands but um I'm in a much better position now than I was in those other games. Yeah, no, I, I definitely understand that. Like, I, I in a kind of similar way, um, I took some of the nearer stuff, but, like, I, I definitely understand what you're getting at, that it's hard. Like, I actually had, like, an abandoned save at some point where, like, they just took one of the provinces and it tanked my economy and I couldn't recover. Like, like I, I, like they, they raised the settlement, and when I came back to it, there was, like, a like goblin shit in one of the building spaces... And, like, it just, I, I couldn't fucking deal with it. it was- I totally know what you mean, dude. I, I, uh, I almost broke something. I was so close to, like, breaking something. I was so fucking mad. Um, because, uh, there was this one part where, uh, there was this one part where I fought a battle and I, I was out, I had outnumbered. Oh, this is what happened. I, I threw, okay, so chaos 
is doing chaos things, right? And it's just shitting all over everybody. And uh, there, I, you know, I've, for a long time, I've left those dwarves to the north of me kind of as a buffer zone. I think I can go confederate them later kind of thing, whatever, right? Um, and chaos ripped through those dwarves. And so I was like, all right, okay, I got to go deal with Arcan the Everchosen. But, you know, he's the only one up there. It's not a big deal. I send 220 stacks with Ungrim in there uh, against, you know, Archaon. And, uh, and then the, ba- you know, like the balance of power thing, right? It's 220 stacks versus Archaon. But the balance of power thing was even. I was like, what the fuck? Well, ha- even? Are you kidding? Right? Like, normally I would just auto resolve that call it a day, right? But, uh, but I was like, okay, I guess I'll actually fucking fight this battle. And I fought the battle. And I. I don't know what else I could have done. I fought the battle and I maneuvered my guys, right? You know, I had this art, you know, I had these cannons. They'd like ripped through his, his whatever. And then he gets these chaos chosen units in my front line and they're ripping through my, I'm like, okay, here are my reinforcements, right? I pincer them. I surround his chaos units 100%. And I was just sitting there like, all right, well, okay. And I turned the game on like super fast mode. Uh, oh, and I killed Archaon in this battle, too. I ungrim 1v1 Archaon and killed him, right? And the Chaos Chosen Warriors never broke. And they, even though they were attacked from behind and in their flanks and completely surrounded, they never broke and they never lost. And they beat my full set of guys. And I lost the battle and I just, I was, I, I was so bad. <sighs> just thinking about it makes me clench my fists a little bit oh man that was frustrating sounds like it <laughs> I was like what else are you gonna do man mm. what else are you gonna do all right well i think that covers our week for video games yeah man i gotta talk about total we're gonna have to do a podcast on that too mm. i got so much to talk about when it comes to total war it's a very fun game to talk about i've found yeah no absolutely yeah the only other thing i've done is i played a bunch of enter the gungeon love that game it's yeah so man good. you've been all over that game yeah, it's I love roguelikes and uh fair enough. It's very roguelike. Yeah. Um anyway, moving on. Natural segue. Speaking to, of uh, of rogues. Oh, oh, uh, rogues are better when I would say there aren't really guns in, in, <laughs> in the next bit of Paco. Uh, There's Mike. a bow and arrow though. <laughs> um uh, uh. X-Men Apocalypse. X-Men Apocalypse. Can we, can we just do, like, opening thoughts real quick? Because I know you and I... Sure, yeah. Any kind of, like, an inverse of, of uh, a dare I say it, lest we get distracted, <laughs> kind of inverse of Batman v Superman. I really enjoyed the movie from, like, a very, like... I found it to be very cheesy, but once I saw that, I was on board for it to just be so cheesy. And I, I, I love that I could lap up how how, like... Un, unapologetically silly and cheesy it was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I liked it from that perspective. I don't think it was the greatest movie in the world, but I do think... I, I did enjoy it very much. I enjoyed it more than Batman v Superman. Yeah, I'm from... Well, so I'm not, I'm not from, like, the opposite perspective. I think it's a bad movie. It's, like, okay to bad, right? Uh, not the worst movie ever. Uh, it kind of lives... Uh, the, the comparison that I made immediately afterwards was to Spider-Man 3, which, uh, you know, I think Spider-Man 3 is a bad movie. You know, I think uh, it's got it, – and, and it has – and, like, the problems that it has are very core baseline problems of 
structure and too many characters not enough characterization and the effect the, the action wasn't good uh and the effects weren't great and there's just you know uh but there's a lot of moments in there that i actually really liked and this is the same story for me for spider-man 3 i like spider-man 3 most more than most people right like i think basically all of the sandman stuff in spider-man 3 is is so it's so fantastic right with like when sandman gets kind of created and that movie at that moment oh Mm, so good and i feel the same way in apocalypse about that moment with magneto in the forest right holy shit right so good so good but i kind of can't you know like you know no that these good moments uh don't really kind of wash away the uh the other bad problems so yeah you know it's like a c minus movie uh for me i guess if i were to give it like a letter grade Mm. oh and and just just in case you didn't figure it out by now, for those at home, this movie's going to be full of spoilers. Yeah, so, I guess or it's this true. Kind of podcast, I really rather, it's going to be full of spo- crazy spoilers. But yeah, super spoilers, spoilers, yeah. boys. Yeah, so the podcast will be full of spoilers. If you want to see X Men without being spoiled, go go watch it before you listen to this. Um, <laughs> so I'm actually interested a little bit about your cheesy thing. Is this like cheese? Uh, Something that you've seen, like, in the other X-Men movies, right? Like, um, is, is this something that attracts you to X-Men movies by mm, their branding, so to speak? Not really. Like, so, I never... So, full disclosure, I never saw First Class. Oof. Um, okay. I, the reason I actually asked this is because First Class is hella cheesy, but... Yeah, so I the, I saw X-1. I saw X-2. I saw Wolverine Origins. And I saw Days of Future Past. Um, so, I've got a kind of gap in the middle there. Fair enough. Um, and Days of Future Past, I didn't think was particularly cheesy, um, but this one was like there was just like some, like so. So the big thing for me, the big moment that was like this is like you know, th- this is this is this is what this movie is going to be is the um, relatively early on, um, Havoc attempts to kill Apocalypse and ends up blowing up the house, and. Right as that happens, hey ho, Quicksilver just happens to be there, and <laughs> and puts on sweet dreams are made of these by the Arrhythmics and saves everyone. And it's just like that's like kind of like like that is like the most like obvious Deus Ex Machina I have seen in a long time. Mm. But it was like it was so hammy about it that I was like, you know, okay, so okay, that's what this movie is going to be. I am going to appreciate it in that way. I'm going to appreciate and like, and I thought that that scene was very well done. Mm-hmm. I so as, as I was as I told uh, somebody I was seeing the movie with, I think that was the greatest Deus Ex Machina of all time. But for the kind of like, the only thing that disappointed me about that was like was like it ends and it's like, well, what happened to Havoc? He's like, oh, I got everyone except for the, the oh. plot point. I was like, no, it was so good. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, it's that kind of thing. See, it's funny because, um, so you know, when it comes to comic book movies in general, there are a couple of like you know superstar comic book movies, right? These are like the A pluses, right? The Dark Knight. You know, the, these are the marquee titles that we're gonna be remembering for like forever, right? The Dark Knight, right? Uh, to me, some other movies are up there, like Watchmen is up there. Uh, probably Age of Ultron at this point, because, man, I fucking love that movie. Maybe not. Maybe, maybe that's like kind of like a regular A movie. I, I but think, anyway. I think Guardians uh, is going to be up there. Oh, yeah, you know, Guardians. See, Guardians is a weird one for me, because I, I, at first I saw it, and it like I didn't like the hype around it almost, and so I kind of always based my... I, like, I am down on that movie compared to the hype of that movie. Right. Um, 
But I actually re-saw it. You know, I saw it again a couple of months later when the hype surrounding it wasn't kind of anything. And I was like, all right, you know, like this is, you know, this is a legit movie, uh, even though it doesn't really play like my sensibilities necessarily. It's funny too, by the way, when we talk about cheese, because uh, I love cheese too. Like I love ham, right? This is why I love Man of Steel. This is why I love like Zod in Man of Steel, right? Like Zod of, in Man of Steel is so, it's, he is a ham sandwich with ham bread and you know hold the lettuce give me extra ham right like he's so <laughs> he's so hammy in that movie and i eat it up i just eat it for breakfast i love it right people get you know like people you laugh at it right you know when he does that thing where he just keeps saying like i will find him but i don't give a fuck i'm so with it when he's like like yeah like zod do it kind of thing yeah, um yeah. but that's like a different kind of uh it's a different kind of ham it's a different kind of uh it, it is a little bit less cheesy, but it is still hammy, scenery-chewing yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. stuff, right? Um, I think some of those really great movies are super good at, like, the uh, – at managing uh, the – like, the, the super sweeping tone, right? Spider-Man 2, when Dr. Octopus gets born, that's like a horror movie. You know what I mean? Like, the part where he's, like, on the gurney and the te- – and he's not even awake, but the tentacles are just killing all the fucking doctors, right? Like, that is suppo- – that is – horror it is shot like horror it's edited like horror. you know what i mean but then but then on the other side right you have like peter parker mary jane oh romantic comedy oh she's gonna get married to the other guy what are you gonna do right like and that kind of tonal whiplash is something that sam raimi handled very very deftly uh this movie is kind of the opposite right because the total whiplash of like oh happy fun times oh look at this comic quicksilver saving the day oh this is so great and then my brother died and just like, <laughs> my brother's dead and then like, striker showed up and captured all our friends I, I know, like, captured all of them just like you know I, I couldn't i couldn't deal with it it really did uh I, I have a really rock solid suspension of disbelief in a lot of these kinds of things but man that just like bent it over backwards and just was like, yeah, you're my bitch now, suspension of disbelief, and just <laughs> broke it in half, this movie. Oh, man. Actually, the one thing that caught me in that scene in particular was, like, uh, like I, I feel like Quick Quicksilver is always kind of, at least by the comics, right? He's always in that kind of, like, time slowdown mode. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, like... The fact that Straker got, like, the, the, the sonic gun off without, like, any, like, even, like, kind of, uh, you know, nod to, to what was, ha- like, you know, to, to Quicksilver, like, being, co- like, being hit by it, it bothered me, right? Like, that he managed to fire it without Quicksilver being able to react. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they've explained it a couple of different times in a couple of different ways. Uh, like, for instance, the flashes like this... Um and they kind of have borrowed this a little bit for Quicksilver, but it's so inconsistent. Where like the when the Flash enters super speed, he is he is, but like he pops out of it. So something, for instance, is uh, like the Flash could hypothetically go and read or Quicksilver, right? He could read every book ever. In, and he would do it so fast, you know, like, he would do right. it so fast it doesn't matter. But in the comics, the kind of caveat is that, like, when he enters that kind of super speed, it's like a like a different level of consciousness and he would pop back to regular speed right and it would it would all be gone right he would have he would have you know he would have kind of hypothetically forgotten it right that kind of thing um uh and you know it's 
it's one of those superpowers that like when you think about it in very real terms it kind of like breaks down <laughs> you kind yeah, of just cause... have to let it you just kind of have to like let some of that stuff go because otherwise the movie would get stupid. oh yeah oh like, yeah yeah I, I went hunting for this answer because i was very curious and uh one, one of the quotes they have is like the reason that quicksilver in, in the comics is kind of a dick is what was the quote they use it's like he, he says this is imagine Imagine that you're in a rush and you need to use the ATM, but there's somebody in front of you who doesn't know how to use an ATM. Now imagine that, imagine like every waking moment being that and everybody doesn't know how to use an ATM. Yeah. Um, and so like, at least, at least from that perspective, it was kind of treated as always on, but like, you're, you're absolutely right for, for narrative purposes. It has to, it has to kind of turn off at some point. Otherwise, like he, he's just never threatened at all. Yeah. Um, um th- yeah that's that's definitely the case um and it also kind of you know it, it, for instance one of my favorite x-men runs is mark millar's uh ultimate x-men um which kind of coincided actually with like the first like x-men movie it came out in like 2001 or whatever everybody's wearing black leather instead of like the crazy multicolor spandex um and uh in that one, Quicksilver's also, like, super fast, but, like, for instance, you know, there's this part where Magneto's like, oh, fucking Charles Xavier, I hate that guy. Quicksilver's like, dude, you want me to, I can go snap his neck, you know what I mean, in, like, a quarter of a second, right? And then Magneto's, like, they're, like, halfway across the world. Magneto's like, uh, like, are you kidding? You know, Charles would have you blithering like a baby as soon as you got within, you know, a hundred miles kind of thing, right? So it's like, oh, yeah, to a certain extent, like, other people's powers cancel out quicksilver's powers um uh, this also happens interestingly with like the flash for instance like deathstroke the terminator who thinks 10 times faster than everybody else he's so good at predicting um he's so good at predicting where the flash is going to be that the flash that he hits that that's how he can hit the flash right otherwise the flash would dodge everything but it doesn't matter because he knows where the flash is going to be and he strikes there so to speak uh which you know take it or leave it a lot of people you know <laughs> sure not every not everybody is buying that right, particular right, right. brand brand of this but uh, how did you like i see the other half of the quicksilver i thought quicksilver was nice because he, he wow uh, yeah, he at sorry least about got, that. no worries he at least got to have like the personality, uh, and a little bit of this, to be honest, is kind of piggybacks from uh, Days of Future Past, right? Um, but you know, he he had a, he had like a very discernible kind of definable personality in this movie compared to someone who like you know didn't really get enough time to get anywhere. Psylocke, right? Is kind of yeah. Easy Psylocke answer. got nothing. Um, um, how did you how did you th- like his tur- his turn for the dramatic? Oh, my father. <laughs> oh, that. Yeah, so I was super surprised. I was super convinced that, like, Magneto's turning point was going to be, like, was Quicksilver was going to be, like, but I am your son! And Magneto was like, I have a son! Ah! And he was going to turn, but but that didn't happen, right? Like, I I, I was I, I so waiting for that to happen. I was, like, I was so waiting for that to happen, too, and it really bugs me that it didn't happen. I, you know, it bugs me that it didn't happen after the fact. Because it's not even, like, like, a real, like... Like, from, like, a very, like, reasonable person perspective, there's no way to, like, run that back. It's, like, you know, in whatever amount of time before he he inevitably reveals, it's, like, why didn't you tell me that time that we were in the apocalypse? And be, like, oh, I didn't feel like it or something. And it's going to, you know, that's obviously going to be its, its its own plot thing. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean... 
see, I you know, I see, I really like this. Like, I love that Florida scene. That Florida scene is probably the best thing. Wait, let me think. The best Which scene. Sorry, the for the forest scene. Like, oh yeah, gone with his daughter and everything. Oh, um, uh, even mm. though the thing, the thing with the bow and arrow, I thought was a little bit weird. Yeah, I kind of bought it. I just, I can't, I can't. Like I just, Fassbender is just so good that I just couldn't I couldn't be bothered about it. I was a little bit bothered about it after the fact, but then I was like, "What am I talking about?" Like I'm basically so crying. <laughs> I thought he did an excellent job. I thought Magneto did an excellent job doing being an emotional person. I personally, the thing that stuck out at me is that I didn't like this kind of arrow. Kind of lazily flies out of this bow and then like hits both his wife and daughter and kills them both instantly. Like. Like, they, they, like, it just felt so, so, so weird that, like, it's, like... Yeah. Like, it... it, 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 it uh, you know, to be honest, this script really reeks to me of, like, it didn't get enough, like, pass... You know, like, this yeah. is something... There's a good answer to this, right? There's a good answer to how this goes down. Um, and I don't know what it is offhand, right? It's gonna... It, it takes some thinking. You're gonna have to figure... You know, you're gonna have to figure it out, maybe. Uh, but, uh... You know, eventually there is an answer for how this happened. I don't think this bow and arrow thing is the. Yeah, right I mean, answer. it could even be a bow and arrow. It just like you know, like the fact that using a bow and arrow makes a lot of sense, right? It's fucking Magneto, right? They need something that's not metal. Um, but like they don't, oh, they don't, they don't show the bow really until like the moment before it gets released. Like, like you, you, yeah, you could yeah. like. Shoot the scene better, I think, to get that across better. Yeah, no, definitely, I one hundred percent agree. Uh, but like, I was just so I, I was so with it, man. Michael Fassbender is so good. It, it's kind of sad. So, um, so kind of like taking a step back. I love the X Men movies in general. Uh, I think there have been a lot. The, the, the probably the worst comic book movie ever, which is X Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, man, is that the worst comic book? Is movie it? Ever. Is it really the worst? Uh, you know, I'm sure somebody will like find some like, oh, the the 1990 Fantastic Four uh, movie, which I which I wouldn't count, right? Um, because uh, of various reasons. But I, you know, like yeah, like I would probably say X Men Origins Wolverine is probably the worst one. I, for, I assume we're talking about like kind of like the modern set. Do you think it's worse than Fan Four Stick, the the new one? Oh no, you're right, Fan Four Stick. Oh god, oh my god, that movie. That movie is an F minus. Like, that movie is so bad. Oh, and it really sucks, too. It is such a heartbreaker because Doctor Doom is one of the great, like, the great supervillains. And he has yet to have a good incarnation on screen. Actually, he has an okay incarnation, to be honest, in uh, in the original Fantastic Four movies from, like, 2005, 2007, or whatever. That, he's not good, but he's, like, eh, kind of, kind of there. Uh, this one was just oh, so bad. But anyway, um, but then I also think like, you know, and people really shit on these X-Men movies and I kind of can't even believe it, right? Uh, and, and to a certain extent, I understand because like, uh, you know, there's the, like the Spider-Man movies, right? Spider-Man 1 and 2, those movies hold up so fucking well. Like, there are some movies that, you know, you go back to and you're just like, what were we thinking? Why did we think this was a good movie, right? Uh, and then there are some movies where we go back and you're like, wow, you know, like, this is super solid. And to a certain extent, I, th- I feel like everybody uh, goes back to these X-Men movies and they're like, ah, X- X-Men, they're actually bad. And the first one, I've, you know, I don't think it's perfect. I think it's very uh, kind of formulaic, but it suffers from kind of that Seinfeld effect of, like, it set 
so many of these things, like so many of these things in stone. And it is kind of the Ur example of this, that it's just kind of unfair to hold that against it almost. And then X2, I think, is legitimately good, right? Not not quite like this A-plus level, right? X2 is not Spider-Man 2. It's not Watchmen. It's not, you know, any of it. But it, it very much lives sure in that, like... weird movies to, like, stake this on. Right, like most people would say, Dark Knight. Most people don't like Watchmen as much as you do. I, I, I just find uh, it funny every time. Like I, I like Watchmen, Watchmen so well. <coughs> I liked Watchmen well enough, but like I actually okay. You want to hear something? Well, okay, this actually isn't super true, but I don't like it more than the book, right? But I like it about as much, and I think people are unfair uh, to a certain extent when they're like, oh, you know, like it's unfair. I I think the movie. It's crazy to me that this got passed, right? Like a Hollywood boardroom, right? Where uh, the very end of the movie, where they, or the very end of the comic book, right? Where they have this giant squid. And really, the giant squid is kind of a huge commentary on Silver Age comic books. But, you know, whatever. Um, the giant squid doesn't work in a movie. And so somebody went to a boardroom. And this, my, this blows my mind. Somebody went to a boardroom and was like, uh, okay, instead of having it be a giant squid, we're going to have it be Dr. Manhattan. Because making this movie more personal and grounded in the characters and and giving solid solutions to these character arcs in interesting and complex ways is the right way to go. You know what I mean? Like, it, it, it is crazy to me, uh, the, the amount of disrespect, I guess, that that change gets. Because... Uh, I just think it's so good. I think it's so good in the context, like in the context for what it is. But anyway, I, I fine. I put Watchmen up there. Most people would. Most people would probably put the first Avengers in there. But I, you know, yeah, uh, like a, it is what it is. Yeah, the first Avengers to me lives in the same kind of X two territory where it's like a a minus. Right. I have I have a little couple of little gripes with it here and there, but overall, I think it's you know super super good, super super solid. And uh, but people love shitting on these early X Men movies. Uh, I think it is kind of because it is one for three. X three is also garbage. The Last Stand, um, that movie's a piece of shit. Um, so I don't know. Uh, but anyway, so um, the original point I was making is that uh, this whole thing with Magneto. One of the things that makes Magneto so great, I think, and one of the things that makes those early movies so great is how well they nailed Magneto, like, as a character. Not even in the context of the comics, but just, like, as an interesting villain, right? As a villain who's compelling and who's complex and who's got, uh, you know, he's got a lot... He, there's there's a lot moving underneath the surface and this is something that every movie he's been into up to Apocalypse, they've handled extremely well right in x-men first class they did it well though they kind of coached it they kind of couched it in language i don't prefer um and in and in days of future past it was perfect because the bottom line of who magneto is right he's not he's not a villain in like the take over the world because you know like because he's megalomaniacal right he's not a psychopath he's an ideologue and he has these beliefs and he has these principles on how the world should work and how he views it and he is so doggedly attached to these principles that you that you can actually do some really interesting things with him right and so for instance in x2 what you, magneto is their ally right because William Stryker wants to kill all of the mutants in the whole world, right? And faced with those terms, an ideologue like Magneto unequivocally helps out the X-Men and joins forces, right? He is one million percent an ally working with them every step of the way. But then, as soon as he gets in that room alone with Charles Xavier, right, ready to, like, mind zap the whole world and kill everybody who's not, 
you know, kill everybody who's immune. He realizes, oh, I can just make him kill all these humans, which is something that I want to do, right? Like, that's that's what makes Magneto great. Because, you know, and, and I love this. It, it, the, it's like the same thing in, in Days of Future Past, right? In Days of Future Past, the, the, it's subtext, but the subtext is Mystique has a romantic relationship with Magneto and then he goes to prison, right? Um, you know, Mystique chooses Magneto over Professor X. But then when they all get together because they realize, okay, we need to stop Magneto or we need to stop Mystique from killing this guy in order to pre prevent a terrible future where mutants get holocausted, right? Magneto looks at that and he's like, oh, cool. Yeah, let's stop her. But then let's also kill her because she is the only reason that this happens in the first place. And so instantly, because how how much he is attached to these principles, right? He goes from ally, you know, he just swaps ally to villain because he, the only thing that matters to him are, you know, these principles. And then, by the way, he swaps back because, you know, hey, they ended up with some of, some of Mystique's DNA anyway. So it's not, you know, it's not personal with Magneto, right? Uh, and this movie made it about Magneto being a good person or a bad person, right? Like, Magneto has something shitty happen to him, and so he just wants to fuck it and blow up the whole world. <sighs> like, I get it and everything, but it really feels like a betrayal of what... Uh, it, it just really feels like a betrayal of what, like, Magneto hypothetically should be. Uh, in, in not, and by the way, not in the context of the comics, right? But in, even in the context of these movies, it's so well done in all four of these movies, and they fucked it up so hard in this one. Uh, but that's my that's my spiel. It's my like eight minute spiel on how good Magneto is. All right, folks. Sorry for the cut. We had mild technical difficulties, but we're back now. Um, so, uh, buddy, to kind of address your point there, because I, I thought it, I, I I kind of I was up with you until you said that this movie is kind of a betrayal of what he was. Cause I, I kind of felt like it was kind of consistent, right? Like, like apocalypse wants to make the world a, a mute, a world for mutants, right? Like, you know, kind of like this cast off the shackles of, of your, or, or like, you know, even vaguely Naziistic, right? Like you are the Ubermensch stop listening to the, the wimpy norm normies. Um, what what I, I don't I don't quite follow what's so so okay bad so the bad about, thing uh, it, this so this is also uh, kind of uh, about this a this bit set from first class now I have to kind of I want to preempt this any listeners here first class is very well remembered a lot of people like this movie I like this movie a lot I like this movie amazing I think it's just, I think it's really good um, probably like the defining thing that I think that made this movie just like so absolutely amazing. Uh, in a lot of people's eyes, is a very unsung thing, but it's just the casting of Mike, like traditional German pretty boy Michael Fassbender versus, you know, English, you know, kind of like posh douchebag James McAvoy, right? Which really kind of fucks with uh, kind of our interpretation of how we look almost at like Professor X and Magneto, right? Because or, you know, when you have Professor X who's talking about, you know, hey, let's be, you know, let's be calm and not jerks. And you have Magneto who's like, well, you know, I got holocausted, so let's holocaust some humans, right? Um, it kind of it kind of puts it in, in weird terms. But in, in first class, by making Professor X kind of a douchebag, um, and one of the ways they do this in first class is they have his, like, opening spiel of, like, mutation. 
it's when cells and stuff happen and it makes people he's using that as like a, a super sleazy pickup line to pick up coeds in a bar and it's just like oh fuck you professor x kind of thing and, prof- and so it throughout that movie right professor x is a good guy right but he's also like nerdy and he's kind of a jerk and, and whatever and so is magneto to a certain extent right but magneto is also like on a qu- on a quest for vengeance to kill the guy that killed his mom or whatever and he's really charismatic and he's really charming about it and so it really kind of inverts your expectations almost uh with what you would otherwise think of as who you know magneto and professor x are and he's done well right but they they use this language that gets called back to in apocalypse where uh professor x tells magneto he's like there's some good in you i know it's there don't bury it because of your anger kind of thing but really in first class what he's talking about is how you know magneto is fueling his powers entirely through anger but he needs to find uh, he needs to find a balance right because the anger is kind of clouding everything else out almost um and they call back the language that gets used without actually kind of the spirit of it, where Professor X is just telling him, you're being a bad guy, right? Be the good guy that I have always said that you would be, right? Um, and Ma- that's not who Magneto is. Magneto is not about good guy, bad guy. It's about his principles, right? And that's what's kind of missed, Um Maybe you know I, I see what you're saying a little bit in the broad uh, in the broad strokes, but it felt like this movie it was Magneto has some heartbreak happen to him, so he decides to be a ba- he decides to be bad, right? He decides to stop being a good guy and start being a bad guy, and this movie is about Professor Xavier saying be a good guy again, please, right? Like that, which is uh, which is kind of undermined to it. For like, I, the okay, I, I see what you're saying. Even though, even though Apocalypse's goals kind of align with what you would expect Magneto to be aligned with, it does. It kind of rings hollow um, because, like, it seems that Magneto is not in it for those reasons. He's in it because he's he's a frust frust boy. Yeah, and to be honest, I actually don't even mind that all that much in the context of this movie. I think Michael Fassbender is just kind of so good that like. Even though it bugs me because it's so inconsistent with what the character has been in these other movies and what I think of as being really good, right? Um, But he's just such a good actor and is such a good performance that I don't mind, right? He's able to take this, uh, you know, this kind of 2 d ization of his three-dimensional character and make it work anyway just because he has that much, like, pathos on screen, Um but but that's what bugs me. That's what bugs me about the Magneto the Magneto stuff. Okay, yeah, that that absolutely makes sense. Um, how did you feel about Apocalypse? The character? I mean, all of it. Oh, okay. Well, the the, the movie. Oh right, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the character. Yeah, yes, the character. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's what I meant. Yep, I, like, I, I was like, I was, I was like, I told you. Yeah. Anyway, um, I thought that he was. Neat, but I got I, he didn't get a lot of time to like be like menacing, mm-hmm. right? Like he was just there for a bit, and like I like to me at least it felt kind of like a lot of his a lot of he he felt kind of understated as a character. So it was most of the movie assembling his um assembling his team as it were, and then like like it, it, it's not clear in in a in a way like why he needed the four horsemen essentially yeah like 
like like Mag- he's like Magneto, you go and spin some stuff around while I lay here and steal James McAvoy's brain. It's like why exactly? <laughs> like, <laughs> yep, yep. Um, and like you like you know, it is what it is. But I think like kind of like as a superhero, like. One of the cool things to X Men about to, about X Men to me is like all the powers are so varied, but like like you've got everything from like these like you know you know man with with regeneration power and claws and like psychic powers to like dude with eye lasers and man with wings, like, <laughs> yeah. And like I think there's some interesting stuff to, to do there. Like I, I remember there was I, I've I've read several panels from a a comic that was essentially like the the ship mutants like the like like there's a the there's, there's is that what they're called? The the mutants who like look different and therefore are hiding in the underground, basically. Oh no no! This was these these. I think these were students at the academy, oh. but they just had shit powers. Okay. Like like one of them was like like kind of like Angel, but he like he could his his wings weren't functional. His bones were hollow, so he like couldn't like. Oh stand my up. god! And his face is all fucked up and like a bird. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that character... Oh, this is heartbreaking. I love this character. It's from Grant Morrison's run in the 2000s uh, on, I think, New X-Men. That character's name is Beak. The most heartbreaking thing about Beak is... Like, Beak goes through that, like, kind of character arc where, like, he figures out, like, you know, yeah, like, your powers suck, but you'll figure it out kind of thing. And uh, the person who teaches them is Beast. And you get all this time with, like, him and Beast, and Beast makes him not depressed anymore. And then he gets mind-controlled by a supervillain and beats the shit out of Beast. He literally almost kills Beast with a baseball bat. And it is so heartbreaking. It's so heartbreaking. Ah, Beak. Mm. Sorry. Yeah, no, the the panel I remember from from him was, like, it's like a thunderstorm and, like, somehow, like, 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 like it gives him enough lift and he's like, I'm flying. And it's like a, like a bittersweet moment or something like mm-hmm, that. Yeah. Um, but like, and I, and so like ideas like that, I think that's really cool stuff that you can do with these weird and varied powers. Yep. However, like, in, in the, like specifically with beast and angel, like beast is not interesting as beast. Beast is interesting as like the smart dude with like, as kind of like a mild Hulk. Mm-hmm. Um, and like Angel, Angel, I don't think is interesting at all. He's literally a dude with wings. Yeah, it, I you know I thought it was kind of nice that they brought Angel in to a certain extent, but the problem is is that Angel used to be a pansy, and then he became a pocket in, in the comics. He becomes one of the four horsemen. There's like a whole bunch of the four horsemen, right? There's why where Wolverine is. They're also named after stuff like Death, Famine, like the regular things. And and the thing is, he always takes an X Man, makes him Death. Um, and he did that with Angel when he originally appeared in the X Factor comics, and he turned Angel's skin blue and gave him and ripped off his real wings and gave him metal those like crazy crazy metal wings, uh, and that is like one of those defining moments to Angel's character. And to me, it's where he got interesting. Uh, but they kind of started him in a place where he's already like a pit fighter and he's beating the Blob. How, what? And he beats the Blob in in this pit fight, and he's. I and he's like a badass who listens to Metallica. I mean, it's the '80s, so that's cool, I guess. But like, it was just weird. Yeah, it, it and it's just like no, he has no character. Yeah, like he literally has, like you get, like you get a little bit right. Like he, like when when he's forced to fight Nightcrawler, he's like, we have to fight or they'll kill the both of us. But that's like all you get. Like it, it's just it's so little that like it's it's if you're gonna do like have a do nothing character. 
at least pick one with like an interesting set of powers yeah. like <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah. Um, on the on the on the other side, I really liked Nightcrawler. Like I had a I had a lot of fun watching him. I thought he it was neat. Like it's kind of like the like oh hi guys I'm Nightcrawler. Uh, I really enjoy that kind of uh, almost interpretation of Nightcrawler. There's been a lot of them over the years, uh, but that that is definitely like up there uh, as my favorites. I like I like Nightcrawler, especially that part where he talks about like the this happens in X two two where he's like he talks about the Munich Circus, and I think it's the only time he smiles in the movie because it's such. You know, he's kind of like the butt monkey almost. Uh, yeah. But you know, he's this part where he's like, oh, you know, my, my name is Kurt Wagner, but in the Munich Circus, I was known as the Incredible Nightcrawler. And and then Wolverine's like, you know, shut it. Nobody cares kind of thing. But it's that, you know, it's like that kind of thing, right? Like he takes some, some pride in like being this circus performer, like freak show kind of thing. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I just uh, – I, I, he – like even even like the butt monkey moments, right? Like that moment at the, like, it felt kind of bad because he had like literally this like, it's the same moment that C three PO has when he's introduced in Episode Seven. Like it's like long lost lovers are staring at each other. It's like hello, I am C three PO or Kurt Wagner. And it's yeah. like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's funny. Yeah, um, I yeah. wish that I wish that it wasn't so fresh in my mind. Because I think that Nightcrawler did it better, um, but yeah, I, I I just I I you know I I really enjoy that that that, that kind of comic relief, and I, I thought it, I thought it was well done with him. Yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I mean to be honest, my thing with uh, Apocalypse the character, which really bugs me. I so I like Oscar Isaac a lot. Um, I hate to there's there's a lot of like Oscar Isaac hipsters out of here, uh, you know, who are people like, oh, I saw Inside Lewin Davis, which is a famous Coen Brothers movie from like 2000. 13 or something uh which kind of like put him on like the the good actor map uh but i ho ho i found oscar isaac from what else a Zack snyder film <laughs> from the movie sucker punch the movie sucker punch which is a good movie i love this movie uh he's kind of the bad guy in this movie and he gives this like really kind of like Oh, so sleazy and slimy performance. And it, it, that's what put Oscar Isaac on my radar. And then I saw Inside Lou and Dave, and I saw I was like, oh, looks like this guy's a good actor. Well, what do you know? Um, and uh, I hate that they ruined his performance with these prosthetics and uh, with this, uh, like, this voice modulation. Oh, because I actually liked it a lot at first. People were, people were complaining about it, right? Like, all the critics and everything they were complaining about, they were like, wow, they really, like, fucked up Oscar Isaac. Like, way to, way to ruin the guy that has been in, like, 80 good movies, you know, since he kind of, like, hit it big with us critics and put him in X-Men Apocalypse. Now he's a piece of shit. But that's not Oscar Isaac's fault because when it was just Oscar Isaac, you know, he's doing his super, like, when he's doing his super subdued whispery but i'm also extremely powerful apocalypse thing oh i was so with it i was like yeah fucking give me some of this and then and then they added the, like the voice modulation thing and i was just like what the fuck did you just do like and it just killed him it just killed it for me i thought uh i was so ready to really like him and then they just just fucked it all up <laughs> Yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely see what you're saying there. Um, yeah, uh, it just, it didn't feel like a bad performance so much. It's kind of like a non-performance, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. uh, there's Ultron just not a lot to say about almost, him. Uh, where 
he doesn't kind of have the screen time to get his relatively nuanced and complex motivations across. Um, and I and and so on, on like first viewing, right? Like, and I, this is how I felt about Age of Ultron on first viewing. I saw it and I was like, "Man, Ultron, what are you what are you trying to accomplish?" And then I went back to that movie and I watched it again. And there's and it's all there, but it is pretty under the radar, subtle stuff. Um, and uh, <clears throat> that I just I just wasn't picking up on it. So hypothetically, maybe I'll go back to it and I'll say, "Oh wow, like this is and you know, this is kind of subtle, right? Like there is something." Uh, there's something more to this that I wasn't quite seeing in the theater, but I really doubt it because uh, this movie just feels so sloppy overall. Yeah. It's unfortunate. Um, so, question for you. Sure. Hit me. Let's so, the his, the his daughter that gets killed, that's supposed to be Scarlet Witch, right? Is it? Am, am, I, am I wrong about that? No, so Scarlet Witch is actually in continuity. His, uh, Scarlet Witch is... Um, wow, may, maybe... Does he say Wanda? That's her name. Does he say Wonder Woman? Oh, I don't... I, I, I frankly don't remember. I don't think they actually mentioned either of their... Oh, he, his wife's name is Nina, which is not the name of Scarlet Witch's mother, who is also a real, actual witch. Um, <laughs> the, uh, uh... The... Um, in Days of Future Past, there's a throwaway line um, about uh, Pietro, who is Quicksilver's... Uh, about Quicksilver's uh, sister, which I, which I took to be Wanda... But but like didn't maybe not like uh, didn't they did they say in this movie that like he left before Pietro was born that Magneto did yeah but they're twins oh oh they're in the in the well in the comics they're twins oh. I assume that they're twins oh okay okay I see I thought I thought that so my read is that I saw that I saw the scene where his his his, his Polish daughter dies. And I thought that that was supposed to be kind of like us, like a solo reverse nod to Ultron. Like, okay, you guys killed off Quicksilver, we'll kill off Scarlet Witch. And to be honest, I mean, it may, maybe you're right. Um, maybe you're right. I, they, they don't call her Wanda or anything. It just says your sister. So it is a very throwaway thing. She demonstrates powers that are kind of like Scarlet. I mean, Scarlet Witch basically. It's her powers are like magic ish, right? Spoiler alert, her powers are fucking stupid. She can alter, uh, quote-unquote, probabilities or whatever to make um, like improbable stuff happen. But it, it's eventually just kind of been, at this point, it's magic reality-shaping powers that she just can shape reality Wait, to be whatever she wants well, she, to be. She can alter, rea like she can alter probabilities? Like yeah. that, that's, like, that's the actual description of the power? Yep. That's straight up, like... That's like Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Like it's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> For instance, in uh, in one of my favorite comic books of all time, The Ultimates, uh, one of the probabilities that she alters, and this is a real thing, she alters the probability. So Loki invades Earth. Uh, Thor has been depowered and completely fucked, um, and she alters the probability that someone's going to, and I quote, come up. Or come, you know, come out and kick his ass, and Thor just appears, <laughs> and then they fight. Then it's just like, well, what I get, you, I sure, right? You know, she altered the probability oh, that Thor would get out. his back. I know, I know. Well, okay, in in the context of the story, it it works way better. But uh, yeah, it is uh, it is you know probability stuff. Uh, so yeah, well, I, just no, the, the moment you say that the, the media, the first thing I think of is, of course, the the improv improbability engine from yeah. from. <laughs> 
<laughs> Trekker's Guide. It's like that. that the, I didn't think I'd see the same device in, in X-Men and in Hitchhikers. In, but. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, it looks like in uh, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they're just kind of going with wispy red telekinesis, which is fine. I, whatever. Uh, it's honestly kind of incredible to me that they decided, they were like, you know who's the real character out of these two? The Scarlet Witch. Because I've always kind of thought that Quicksilver is the yeah. more interesting character of the two of them. Hey, um, hey buddy. I bet I, you didn't see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah um but so uh yeah i i you know i like quicksilver a lot in this movie and i uh, i like a lot of the um <clears throat> i think if they had ended with that bit right where quicksilver says i'm your son your family isn't dead i'm your family I would be more on board. Like this would be this would upgrade it from like C minus to straight C maybe because it it completes Magneto's arc in in such a good way. Uh, and even though it's kind of predictable and quote unquote by the book, uh, yeah, I, I don't. The, the problem with this is there's no reason for him to hide it. Uh, even at, after, yeah, like I, I, I was gonna say, I'm even okay with them with him waiting until after the fight to reveal that. Like right, instead of yeah. saying it like. Like I said, what I was expecting was kind of like the the big moment, the big heart moment to be like him revealing himself to Magneto while he's in that magnosphere. And, yeah, seriously. Um, Not to mention that. So the other thing, I, and I feel like it's so easy. I can't believe they missed this. Uh, this kind of stuff. I, I hate this stuff because it feels very like not nitpicky, but it just feels. Uh, it feels like I'm kind of talking about how the movie should be which is kind of unfair or whatever but anyway i'm just gonna do it um that is such an easy part to kind of complete magneto's arc in the context of the other movies too right because you have quicksilver there who in the context of this movie is important because you say i'm quicksilver i'm your son you do have a family right and Magneto goes holy shit oh my god i was so sad but i do actually you know have a family right okay so that snaps him out of like this movie funk and then you also have mystique there right who is his right-hand woman throughout all of these other movies we have known mystique to be his like biggest supporter and confidant she's the one that breaks him out of jail in x2 right she fights with him in uh in x3 and she leaves she chooses uh magneto over charles in x-men first class right she's there to say don't you understand apocalypse doesn't want what you want right just because he wants to kill humans doesn't mean that he wants mutants to be free he wants them to be slaves to him right and if that if that if those moments had completed themselves that magneto arc would be super solid right because then it's about magneto not sticking to his principles after four movies of him doggedly sticking to his principles right uh but they they didn't do either of those things which is such a huge misstep and they just made it about him be the good the good inside him or whatever oh boy i know god drive through nuts um uh, so a couple other things what did what did you think of uh what did you think of the wolverine cameo So this is where I want to talk a little bit about action. Okay, I'm an action guy in in a to a certain extent, right? Like I like action filmmaking, uh, and uh, and like action filmmaking gets me on board for stuff, right? And wide varieties of it, right? Like on one hand, I really like uh, you know I really like power and all action filmmaking, which is like you know this is why I like Zack Snyder stuff, right? Like those 
fights in these Zack Snyder movies are about putting you in awe of what's happening, right? And then there's kind of the action filmmaking of, like, Ant-Man, right? Ant-Man is fun, and it's funny, right? And this is, like, this is like watching, like, an old Jackie Chan movie, right? Where, that like, that, that, I like that kind of action filmmaking. I like, you know, I like, um... You know, even just kind of like the bread and butter Marvel Cinematic Universe action filmmaking, uh, you know, like in Civil War, in the Avengers, right? That action filmmaking is, what, hey, wouldn't it be cool if you were Captain America? Wouldn't it be cool if you were Hawkeye? Wouldn't it be cool if you were Thor, right? So there's a lot of different ways that you can do action, and Brian Singer just can't. He's just bad at it, right? Uh, X1 was garbage action x2 was okay action because the only person he seems to be able to shoot action for is wolverine and wolverine does the lion's share of the action in that movie um and in this movie which had more action than all of the other x-men movies right x-men movies tend to be very plot heavy and plot twist heavy which makes sense because that's where brian singer is at his best right um and uh and so the wolverine cameo I actually thought that was really good. I thought it was great action filmmaking. I thought it was the only place where he actually showed that he knew how to point a camera and not have the other end of it look stupid. Uh, <laughs> and I thought the rest of the movie was action filmmaking of let's point a camera at this and have it look stupid variety. Because I think he, he's kind of living in a, in, a, in a Matrix world, right? He's living in a world where the Matrix and wire stunts are king, right? And this is how you do action filmmaking, right? When we are living in a, you know, jeez, uh, how, how would I define this world? Well, you know, we're living in, uh, you know, it's, it's Zack Snyder's world and we all just live in it, right? We're living in a world where you take as much time with, with, with your action as you possibly can and you want to make it look, you know, you use CGI to make it look like real, right? right. When I can see the wires, right? I, I mean, I can't see the wires because they have been digitally edited out, right? But when I basically see the wires because I know that storm up there, no, just make that storm CGI, right? We CGI Captain America, we CGI Thor, we CGI Hulk, we should CGI Storm and Beast and Mystique and Magneto, right? If he shouldn't be sitting there in this wire harness against a green screen, it's so obvious and so bad. Yeah, no, it's just so bad. Like, like pe- people are, uh, this is kind of a general trend that kind of aggravates people. Are like, whoa, there's too much CGI practical effects are so much better. It's like, I can't do it. God, kill like, me now. Like, it's 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 like you know if it's done well it's not right like there's there's it's but like you know and and if the practical effects are done poorly it's really not um yeah definitely um but yeah i, I definitely definitely get your point there yeah I, absolutely i i agree with you i thought like even like the moment a moment that should have been very cool which is which is Psylocke like sliding down the side of that building looked really dumb I was just like profoundly disappointed <laughs> by that moment, like in particular. Oh, yeah, man. Yep. I actually think like the ending bit where everybody combined their powers against Apocalypse. It was okay, you know. But like that's like the best you're gonna get. Oh, right? that, that re- you get you get you get like goodish with Wolverine, uh, because it's kind of lives a little bit in Jason Bourne frantic land. Uh, which is like, you know, this is like the Dark Knight kind of action filmmaking. Uh, but uh, th- I get it. 
that apocalypse thing and at least it communicated a real idea even though real, you know like I, I can't praise it too much because it looks so stupid to just have like s- random cgi shards of metal flying at apocalypse yeah right? the um the, the other thing i wanted to mention was like you could play a fun game with this movie which is count the x's and that was yeah, like, yeah i know the big x with the, with the two uh the girders <laughs> Yeah, I like the part where he skewers, you know, like, that. The, what I'm describing is there's that part where he skewers him and then everybody's kind of, like, shooting it into yeah, his, yeah. like, little ball. You know, that, you know, that, that sells, right? I, that sells me. I thought, uh, I thought that was, uh, but just, yeah, it's, oh, man, he's just so bad at it. He's just so bad at it. Yeah. Oh, it kills me. I hate the way that Beast looks in these movies. Uh, I was kind of okay with it in the first, uh, in uh, uh, the uh, first class. I thought he looked okay-ish because he wasn't beast for most of that movie and they cgi'd his feet to look particularly like beast-like which is like a big trait of of beast or whatever uh but in this movie he just he just looks so dumb when he's like fighting stuff you know like there was a there was an old video game called x-men lost dimensions shit x-men new dimensions it was a fighting game and i played beast in that game and he, beast was a really fun character because he was like a stance fighter uh where he had a couple of different stances right one of them was he was you know one of them was a high stance where he like lifted up one of his legs and then he could go into like this handstand stance right and he had a couple of moves that like transitioned between them but it, it created this like almost like break dancey acrobatic uh fluid fighter right uh, there was just a like a really cool version of how that of like how to visualize how Beast fights in a battle, right? And there's just so much of them making Beast go on his hands and and you like go on all fours to go after someone that looks so bad. Yeah, I I don't know how to describe it, but just like it just looks it, it looks terrible. Um, yeah, I, he he looks kind of like dumb punchman, and he, like he like it. it it's a weird fight anyway, because it's like, uh, it's it's a blue furry guy punching at some mind blade woman. It's... Yeah, 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 tell me about it. Um, uh, uh, so, I also just don't like, like, the CGI pixel mishmash. I think that's, uh, that's it's not like a cop-out, but it's just kind of, like, bad. It doesn't communicate anything, really, right? Like, for instance, um... In the Avengers, those ki- like the kinds of destruction that you see in like that end third act of the Avengers, you know, it, it helps and it reinforces the kind of communication of these guys are heroes and it would be awesome to be one, right? Uh, in Man of Steel, all of like those big dust clouds and covering everything in dust, right? That that very that communicates, right? Like this is you know, catas- these, are, these guys are catastrophically powerful, right? They are going to level a building when you punch someone through them, right? Uh, and so there's, and so like, there's that kind of stuff. And, but this, this like weird, like, oh, we're just going to make loops out of metal, but also out of stone, which is a really weird way to, I kind of, I know what they're doing because I know the comics, but I don't think it came off uh, on screen as well as it should uh, because one of the things Magneto learns to do in the comics is manipulate gravity. That's how he can fly. Uh, because in the comics, they link magnetism to gravity, right? Like, right, right. Magnetic, um, Earth's magnetic field type stuff. Exa- yeah, exactly. That kind of stuff. You know, the, yeah, it's kind of pseudoscience, but it works, right? Yeah. It, it gets the job done. Uh, and uh, th- I think that's what they were trying to go for, but they never actually, like, 
They never said it, right? And I don't think that it got across. So I think there's a lot of people who are looking at this Auschwitz thing where clearly Auschwitz is made out of fucking bricks and they're watching Magneto demolish it. Like, wait, I thought it was metal, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, like, it made... Like, this, I think the point... Like, what seemed like we were trying to do in the movie is, like, there is metal in the ground because... Yeah, I know! I know, and I was thinking, I was like, I was like, oh, are they going to do this kind of, like, uh, uh, like Avatar The Last Airbender thing where, like, Toph figures out that even metal has these, like, impurities of Earth? And I was like, oh, that's actually kind of clever. They're going to do the opposite, right? Even Earth has these little, imp- like, impurities yeah, of, of iron ore, yeah. right? Yeah, you're going to pull it out. But I just, did, <laughs> they didn't do that. <laughs> Maybe that's what they were going for. Uh, uh, but It was unclear and bad, I guess. Yeah. So, question for you. About the Dark Phoenix, Ooh. Um, did you think this was th- so? Apocalypse has a line like right when he dies that like all has been revealed or something along those lines. Do you think this was his plan? Like, was this his plan all along? What? Like that? That's what, that's what some people say. That like this this was his plan all along was to get Jean Grey to release the Dark Phoenix, and now his the justice planned. Um, I don't think it's good. Wow. If that is the case, that's retarded. I kind of don't think that's the case. I don't think it is either, but, you know, I figured I'd I'd toss it to you, master of of comic books knowledge. I mean, the Dark Phoenix is uh, messy. You know, I'm, I am a Matt, you know, like I love, I love comic book minutia, right? I love just like explaining these little tidbits of like, oh yeah, you know, and he fucked the, you know, the witch of Wondagore Mountain and that's why Scarlet Witch has magic powers, right? Um, that you, that are actual magic, even though she's a mutant kind of thing, right? Um, there is literally, there is literally a mutant named Magic who uses magic powers. Uh, and Nightcrawler, actually, it's also discovered that Nightcrawler's dad is a demon, so he's, like, half-demon, which is why when he teleports, it smells like sulfur, because he teleports he teleports instantaneously through, like, a demonic dimension, right? And then back to, like, the world, like, instantly, right? Yeah, I actually, I actually knew that, because there was, like, From a, the X-Men then, up, uh, evolution episode? There's a, there's a cartoon where, like... They yeah. like slow him down and like things. Yeah, yeah, and then he him. floats through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's from X Men Evolution. That is that is like a very true representation of uh, Nightcrawler, right? Um, also, Mystique is Nightcrawler's uh, uh, mom, uh, but they didn't address that in this movie, which made me is is that is that is, is that still true? Yeah. Oh, or, yeah. Well, like, do you think it's uh, well, true it for, was... for for this this Nightcrawler and this Mystique? Uh, <laughs> that. That is the question. I, I have no idea if it's true for this Nightcrawler, this Mystique, because, uh, you know, I think I think of all of the, these comic book movies that are coming out, the X-Men movies are the ones that kind of hold least true to the comics, um, which kind of makes sense because they came from a world of, uh, you know, the original X-Men took a lot of the spirit of the comics, but changed a lot of stuff, too. And I think that they're doing the same thing. Um, the uh, uh, The Dark Phoenix stuff, I thought it was okay. I called that almost immediately because Dark Phoenix tends to get used in this way uh, a lot as kind of like a like a the Dark Phoenix is is a lot of uh, the, and I think this is when it plays at at its best like when when Jean Grey taps into like the Phoenix Force uh, and like that like power right it's real you know you're shaking you're sh- you're shaking the devil's hand kind of thing right because it is so powerful and so overwhelming that like you know you really run into um, 
you kind of like you're like really running the risk that like something crazy is going to happen and so by tapping into the dark phoenix or tapping into the phoenix force itself uh in order to defeat apocalypse um you know can she put that back in a bottle is kind of the implication but i don't think that they set that up enough i'm filling in a lot of these blanks because i know what the comics tend to look like and how dark phoenix tends to be used there uh but i actually think that they didn't set it up enough even there's there's the thing with like her dreams and everything like that but at the end of the day her dreams are also in the movie right the dreams are prophetic they're prophetic of what's going to happen you know like apocalypse is going to take over uh, like you know over the world or whatever um and she's kind of you know she's like burning up the room or whatever it's really really understated stuff so i don't think that they set themselves up for it and and uh and so that execution uh fell flat for me for like that reason yeah it also kind of felt weird because it's like like you know like the message seemed to be like give in to this horrible temptation and do it i know i know, I know. yep yep and like you and have professor x where... being like give in go do it um well i think what they were trying to do and uh this is really like kind of the, this is like speaks to the failure of execution at play. I think what they were trying to do was get to this point of um, they don't know what they're messing with, right? Like they don't quite understand what the danger is to Gene's powers and to um, you know like the Phoenix Force, and so Professor X thinks that you know so so I think I think Professor X is just he doesn't know, right? And so he's saying. You know, believe in you, yourself. You know, believe it. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Right. Believe in yourself. You can do it kind of thing when really it's, uh, you know, when really it's sell your soul to this universe eating entity from space. Is that really what the Dark <laughs> Phoenix is? That's really what the oh, Dark geez. Phoenix is. It's like uh, it's this big Phoenix thing. It's like. And it has a host, and it wants to like destroy the universe and recreate it. It's been retconned a lot too, so that information is probably dated at this point, um, like horribly dated. Uh, the whole Dark Phoenix saga is also a huge clusterfuck because she became Phoenix because she died. Right? She sacrificed herself to the team, and then she comes back with like that kind of green and gold outfit, and she's like, "I'm the Phoenix." But oh no, she's real. Jean is actually in like a chrysalis at the bottom of the ocean where she's supposed to have died, and that new Jean is like. It's a huge clusterfuck. There's a clone of Jean Grey and Madeline Pryor that gets involved called the Goblin Queen. Oh, it's it's crazy. Um, I don't think that's what they're going for next movie, though, uh, because the stinger at the end of the credits... Well, actually, I'm I'm of two two minds about the stinger uh, at the end of the credits. I think part of the stinger at the end of the credits is setting up X-23, which is Wolverine's female clone uh, for for the new Wolverine movie, which... You know, hot rumors. I know you guys come to some derps talk about movies for the the hot the hot scoops uh, coming off of you know uh, the 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 Hollywood insiders. But uh, the, that that movie will be named Wolverine, like colon Weapon X, uh, kind of thing. Wolverine, two origin, two origins, which is kind of weird to me because all of the reporting that we had heard prior to this is that this Wolverine story is actually based on Old Man Logan. Uh, which is a famous uh, – it's actually only from a couple of years ago, but it's Mark Millar and Steve McNiven's kind of like 
old west post-apocalyptic future version of wolverine where all of the villains decide to get together and just like one shot the heroes in a night of like master planning because hey man when you get norman osborne dr doom the red skull and everybody in, in like in one room and they decide they want to stop losing right well they win um but anyway um the essex corp uh is a reference to the deadpool right no, oh, really? You think it's why do you think it's Deadpool? I thought that that was the name of the uh, the corp that like turns him into Deadpool. Holy shit! Is that really the name? I missed that. If that is in Deadpool, wow! Holy shit! If that is in Deadpool, then I missed that. Um, Essex, Nathaniel Essex, is uh, the name of uh, uh, like an apocalypse kind of tangential character who is like an X Men villain in his own right called Mister Sinister. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I've been talking about all this comic book stuff with a straight face. I don't know why it's Mr. Sinister that I can't get out without laughing. Um, that's because, well, Mr. Sinister is, like, the dumbest name, I think. Like, <laughs> I know, I know. Oh, yeah. I like that they they lean so hard on Ensaba Anur because uh, the... Uh, uh, I think, of, like, him, him being named Apocalypse kind of sucks a lot uh, of, like, it's just weird... But anyway, uh, I think it's a Mr. Sinister tease, and I think it might you know, play into the Wolverine movie. But if they are setting up the next X-Men movie, it will hypothetically be about you know Mr. Sinister. He's one of those, like, he's a human, but he's like one of those like, scheming human bad guys. He likes to experiment on mutants and okay. bad stuff. So, so, I, uh, so I had heard the Deadpool thing, and I thought it was a company that turned Deadpool into Deadpool. It's not. What oh, it is okay. is that Mr. S- so in the comics, apparently, Mr. Sinister clones Green Jay... Clones Jean Grey, gets her to have sex with Scott Summers, and their kid is dead. Is is Cable rather? Yeah, yeah. That clone of Jean Grey is Madeline Pryor. Okay, who I was uh, right, but like we know, we like the the teaser or the 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 post credit scene for Deadpool is like we're getting Cable, like literally. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, well, that's because Cable and Deadpool are uh, yeah, th- th- that comes from a comic book line uh, in the mid two thousands where yeah, Deadpool popular. really took off here. Yeah, super popular. Deadpool really took off here because cable is uh cable is such like a like a hard-ass straight man and so putting him with deadpool is just like inherently funny plus they kind of have the added bonus of they're both nominally you know nominally mercenaries right uh so they you know it's just typical straight man comedy you know straight man comic stuff uh going 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 there yeah but anyway, the, uh, yeah. But anyway, I, you know we've we've uh, we've hit our time, man. I, I you know I love these X Men movies. I'm sad that I didn't like this one more than I do, though. I like I like this movie more than it is good. I think. Yeah, um, I, I kind of I wanted to say one more thing, which is kind of like we've done some comparisons. I think it's natural to compare this movie to um, Captain America: Civil War. Oh um, yeah. And I think this is the worst of the two films. I don't think that's too controversial <laughs> a statement. But I will say one thing. They did a much better Star Wars joke in X-Men Apocalypse than, oh. than they did in Amer- Captain America Civil War. I, I, I was the only one that laughed in that theater. I was the only one that got that joke. How? Uh, Wait, really? Because you got the joke, yeah, right? Of course. They're making fun of X3. Yeah, and and I thought I thought it was also supposed to be I like got- a, making fun of the prequels, right? Like the third one's always the worst. Yeah, no, that's exactly – that's that, – well, wait – of the prequels? No, no. Of the Star Wars prequels? No, 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 no. Like, the pop- oh. like the popular perception that the third one's always the worst, but then we had three 
Force prequels, right? Like the common perception of the prequels. Oh, <laughs> that is. I didn't. I didn't think about that. Is I mean, my my undying love for the prequels would have tempered me from that kind sure. of viewpoint anyway. But yeah, no, I lo- I like that joke because I I do think I think it's funny and I, it's such a, it's a commentary on X three being sure yeah absolutely shit, right. And I thought that was, I was the only one that got it. I was the only one in the theater that left. But I, uh, which is crazy because the fucking Civil War thing, right? Where he's like, did you guys see that really old movie? You it know, wasn't like, even a joke. Ugh. Oh, I, I literally was just, I, I, I didn't groan. I said, what? Really loud. Yeah. But everybody else laughed. And I was like, sheeple, what is, wake up. Not like, a joke. <laughs> it's so bad. I hate it. I hate it so much. Oh. I really want to like Civil War. But it just bugs me on so many – just like these minor things just really like kill it for me every time. Though I did like Civil War more than I liked Apocalypse, um, obviously. And they all pale in comparison to, to my undying affection for Batman for Superman. Which we managed to not talk about for most of this episode. It's true. I, I referenced Zack Snyder a lot. So yeah. I, got, I got in there. I, I snuck it in or you know, I backdoored I backdoored it. Um, uh <laughs> one of these days we're gonna have to like maybe a couple months down the line there hasn't been a movie episode in a while we'll have to do Watchmen because I want to reread and rewatch that um, and because uh, I I remember liking Watchmen more than I think the average person did but I didn't think it was as as you would put it a masterpiece I actually really hated Watchmen uh, not hated I just I didn't like it uh, I, and I thought it was bad the first time I watched it like when it came out in the theater and then I rewatched it again uh in college i think it came out 2009 right like so you know yeah. i was a freshman in college but uh well you can't you know, it came I, out I when we were in high school it. i thought maybe you're right maybe it was like 2008 uh, oh secrets about our eight are about our ages oh no oh yeah geez oh, yeah, whatever well you know like i just remember it came out i saw it with a bunch of friends uh and, and you know i know i've all, I, I covet this position i've always had this position as like the the comic book geek right who uh, at the end of the movie, everybody's always like, oh, like, you know, this, that. And I get to explain all these Easter eggs because I like feeling high and mighty like that. Like, oh, man, I got so much mileage out of Thanos after Avengers. Right, right. Holy shit. Anyway, um, the uh, – uh, and then when Watchmen came out, I liked it like the least out of all of my friends. And, and then I went and I rewatched it on my own in uh, in college and I was just like – buddy sola you dumb idiot right and then i and then i it, it's 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 almost a lot like man of steel for me in fact this actually kind of describes a lot of Zack snyder movies um where the first time i watched them uh is you know kind of whatever like the first time i saw man of steel i was like ah, you know whatever that's fine fuck it kind of thing but then i rewatched it again you know and then it just kept getting better and better to, to the point where now like i i watched that it's like Back, you know, I, I can always, I can just always have Man of Steel on because I just always like watching that movie. Um, and Watchmen is the same way, you know. Like I watched it the first time, and then I watched it again and again and again. I just kind of picked up on more, and I saw more, and I thought about it more. And uh, like the more and more I thought about it, the more and more I watched it, the more and more I liked it. To this point where now I think of it as like, um, you know, one of like these these hallmarks. And by the way, I think it's one of these hallmarks specifically. Uh, because the source material is so great, right? Like, you know, it, it is the truest adaptation of a comic book that has ever been put to screen. Um, maybe 300, you could kind of argue, which is another Zack Snyder movie hint in. But, um, you know, and, and I think that, and I think that that's, that goes a long way. That really goes a long way to making it what it is. Uh, but I think, I just, I think it's so good. I think it's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, I think uh, 
What was it? I, I had also heard specifically with that one that like the uh, director's cut makes a huge difference. Oh my god! You're right. I wasn't even thinking about it, but you're totally right. The director's cut, the director's cut is is amazing. By the way, the director's cut. I I rewatched uh, Days of Future Past, and there is something called the Rogue Cut to this, which is a director's cut, like an extended edition. They add about twenty minutes. Uh, spoiler alert: They add Rogue to the movie. Um, it makes that movie like I, when i first saw days of future past i kind of thought it was like a b plus movie like it was good but it wasn't quite amazing uh but the director's cut really solves that problem and oh my god it's so good um because they feel, there's this, that really awkward hole in the middle where they kind of like the plot drops for a second and it's literally because they cut out this middle 20 minutes that's actually really important oh, uh, i'll have to hunt that down uh, it's not, it's like on Amazon. You can just like get like the rogue cut. But yeah, sure. the director's cut of Watchmen is uh, is the cut that's like super super great because they add in a lot of extra stuff that not a lot of extra stuff, but a lot of the stuff that like would otherwise not have uh, been in the movie that you know makes it so it's, makes it good. Mm. Well, with that, we're over time, so I think we're gonna have to have to wrap it up. Indeed, indeed. Um, yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in. Uh, I love talking about. I love talking about movies on my games podcast. <laughs> I can't wait to talk about Overwatch for three weeks. <laughs> like, <laughs> after this, <laughs> uh, assuming this goes up on time, we'll have Hell's Rebels on Wednesday, and then uh, Rune Lords next Monday. Right? Is, is it's it's not an off week. Uh, the, the off week for next week will be Hell's Rebels. Okay, so so uh, yeah. So, but hopefully there'll be an episode up before the off week for Hell's Rebels, so we can tell you that it's not next week. Next week. Um, right, right. <laughs> um, and uh, you can email us about what you think about X-Men Apocalypse or X-Men in general or video games or whatever you want at somederpsplaygames at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on YouTube. Watch us play uh, role-playing games on twitch.tv slash somederpsplaygames. Feel free to comment, like, subscribe, do all the things with the buttons, and we'll read it. And if we get, and you know, we'll probably talk about it on the show because we have a low enough volume that we can mention every single none of them. Um, and uh, I think that's about it, unless you had something else, buddy. <laughs> uh, no, I think that's it. You can follow us on Twitter, obviously. Uh, I don't tweet all that much, but when I do, it tends to be about this podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, until next time, dear listeners. <laughs> until next time, farewell. <laughs>